The Dr. Junkie Show does not offer medical advice. Bloody Mary's chewing beetle nuts. She is always chewing beetle nuts. Bloody Mary's chewing beetle nuts. And she don't use pencil pens. This is the Dr. Junkie Show, and I'm Ben Boyce, media scholar, war on drugs critic, and prison educator. And that intro was a clip from Roger and Hammerstein's 1958 film, South Pacific. Bloody Mary is a somewhat racist character in the film, and she chews betel nut because that's a long-time tradition in many Southeast Asian cultures. In fact, betel nut might well be the most popular drug that you've never heard of if you live in the Americas or in Western Europe. Upwards of 10% of the population in some South Pacific Island nations use it daily. It's been around at least as long as cannabis, more than 6,000 years. That means it carries a rich cultural history. It's included in ancient art. It's used in old parables to explain spiritual dimensions and how to access them. It's often used as part of a cautionary tale, the trope of giving in to one's desires leading to one's demise if not well managed. And it's even been used in Western medicine for a century as an anti-parasite drug for animals, mostly to treat tapeworm. But oddly, many of us don't know anything about it. At best, we might remember images from film of an islander chewing on something, stuffing something into their cheek. That was probably a representation of betel nut. Most of you listening are in areas of the world where you can't go a mile in any direction without encountering someone who's selling coffee, cigarettes, or booze. Even if you don't consume these drugs for religious or for personal reasons, you almost certainly still know quite a bit about them. From friends, from society, from advertisements, and from cautionary tales like public service announcements. They're the top three most used drugs on earth, caffeine, nicotine, and alcohol. And in the United States, they're legal, or rather, they're regulated, because not just anyone can buy them at any dose. Betel nut is the fourth most popular drug on the planet. The fact that you probably don't know a thing about the fourth most widely used drug on Earth, that's worth noting. As a communication guy, I see it as a symptom of the media that we consume in the United States. One of my favorite media philosophers, Mikel Desertot, once said, quote, the media transforms the great silence of things into its opposite. Narrations about what's going on constitute our orthodoxy. These fragments of history are organized into articles of doctorate. Be quiet, says the news anchorman or the political representative. These are the facts. Here are the data, the circumstances. Therefore, you must... Narrated reality constantly tells us what must be believed and what must be done. That's a mouthful, and it was written in 1984, way before social media and 24-7 news networks existed. But what he's saying is what we all know. When we see a commercial with a new car in it, we come to know something about the car, whether we want to or not. And in the absence of any additional knowledge about a new car, say we don't actually go drive one or look through a few on a car lot, we'll automatically refer to that commercial we saw in the future whenever someone says, imagine a new car. It's the only image we have, and even though we know it's not totally true and accurate, 
It's better than nothing. That's how humans work. The great silence of things, that I don't know anything about that, it's easily replaced by stereotypes, out-of-context study results, or, most often, scenes from television or from the movies. Let's do all the drugs. Uh, I don't really want to. Should have thought of that before you drink a can full of ecstasy. What? Beetlenut is used by more than 600 million people worldwide. But since it's largely a drug that's associated with poorer countries and with poor people in those countries, it hasn't gained the attention of other drugs that are more popular in Western countries. And that lack of information amidst an information overload from YouTube, podcasts, books, magazines, blogs, news outlets, none of them are really reporting on Beetle Nut. So that means we wind up with a particularly distorted view of this drug because the only people talking about it are using it for spectacle value, say, in a movie or a YouTube video. They want you to smash that like button and subscribe. The most popular Beetle Nut video I could find on YouTube is captioned, quote, the most addictive drug in the world. In the thumbnail is an image of a brown-skinned islander with red-stained teeth, smiling crookedly at the camera. It's the sort of media junk food we overeat already in our culture. Stereotypes of faraway places and the people who live there. So today I want to talk about beetle nut. What is it? Why don't we use it in the United States very often? And just how dangerous is it? Beetle nut gets you high in the same way that coca leaves or high doses of nicotine get you high. It's on a long list of wildlife-produced chemicals which laborers have been using for centuries to get through a painful day of physical labor. Things like chewing coca leaves in South America, eating kratom leaves in parts of Asia, and cat use in Western Africa. It's a laborer's drug, and because of that, it's largely ignored by those in charge because it keeps the gears of production grinding on. Beetle nut does cause some pretty intense dependency, but luckily it's super simple to get and it's incredibly cheap. In fact, it's often free. That's because it's the large seed on the inside of a piece of fruit that grows on wild palm trees in many tropical climates. Like most ancient drugs, it isn't made from the fruit, it is the fruit. The trees are called Arica Katichu, and they look just like any other palm tree to the untrained eye. And here's the most important part of the story about beetle nut. Since beetle nut is so easy to get, and so widely used by so much of the population, it isn't really that big of an issue in the daily lives of consumers. They work jobs, they pay bills, they raise kids, go to church, all the normal things humans do. When Americans drink a cup or four of coffee, some humans just chew a couple of Rika nuts and catch a buzz that's quite a bit more potent. And it turns out, it's also quite a bit more dangerous. The active ingredient in beetle nut, the thing that gets you high, it's called aracoline. It's a stimulant, like nicotine, and it binds to the same receptor sites that nicotine binds to. To get into the bloodstream, users usually chew the pit of the palm fruit into a pulp and they sometimes mix it with mustard seed or other spices for flavor. It's also usually mixed with a caustic white paste called slaked lime, a product made from crushed limestone which is also used in various industrial applications, including as an ingredient in mortar. The purpose of the lime is to aid in the absorption of the aracoline through your gums and under your tongue, 
by raising the pH of the chemicals in your mouth from our normal 6 or 7 up to about a 10. It's actually caustic. It'll burn your mouth if you use too much. And it's a carcinogen. It causes cancer. You can chew betel nut without slaked lime, but you won't manage to get as much of the active ingredient into your bloodstream. I've seen people replace it with baking soda, which also raises the pH and aids in absorption into the bloodstream, but others just chew the nuts by themselves. As users chew it, the seed, which begins a dark brown, slowly turns a blood-red color. You don't swallow the juice. You spit it out, like chewing tobacco. So users walk around with mouths full of bloody red chunky sludge spitting it onto sidewalks or walls. That's one of the only reasons that prohibition has been enacted in some areas. Because of the mess it leaves behind when you spit red blood juice everywhere. In some places, like Taiwan, betel nut is sold in preparations called betel quids. They're made by slicing a nut, like a hot dog bun, not all the way through, but close, and then adding a layer of slaked lime along with various other flavors to make it taste better. After preparation, the nuts are often wrapped in a leaf from the plant, and then sold in open-air markets by so-called beetle girls, who wear bikinis and serve customers curbside from open storefronts. I linked a couple videos of these street vendors in the episode description, and they're worth a watch if you want to see just how alike and different two cultures can be at the same time. So what about the high? I've heard it described like a light DMT, like a hallucinogenic that you take a smaller dose of than you might need to really trip balls. But many users consume more than one at a time, and apparently it can get you a lot higher than coffee. More like coca leaves. Not quite cocaine, but not quite coffee either. Betel nut has been linked to huge numbers of cancer, usually in the mouth or the throat, It appears that that lime powder has a lot to do with the cancer-causing properties. And that point is yet another issue with our current system of drug regulation, one I also ran into when talking to Dr. Oliver Grundman last year about Kratom. The active ingredient of these substances, metragynin in the case of Kratom, and ericoline in the case of betel nut, they haven't been isolated or put into any form of oral or injectable drug by pharma companies looking to make them safer for the 600 million or so users who take them all the time because, you guessed it, those users are largely poor people who can't afford whatever patented concoction the pharma companies might cook up anyway. Why would pharma create a pill that's safer if people can just use the cheaper version for free? The same thing already happened with marijuana. And even when the pharma companies tried to make such a pill, it's called Marinol, and it's still prescribed, they don't work as well as the plant because they only contain THC, not the entire spectrum of cannabinoids. So people who have become accustomed to that full-spectrum experience of smoking or eating their pot, they don't get the same medication from just the extraction. And instead of going back to the drawing board to figure out how they might make their cannabinoid pills more effective, pharma just threw in the towel because there wasn't a million bucks on the backside of such a pill. There's a good chance it might not even be patentable, or that if it was, in the case of betel nut, it could easily just be stolen by street markets to meet the demands of those 600 million consumers with light pockets. That difference in cultural norms is worth noting. Across the world, people have been taking drugs for thousands of years, 
usually entire plants, or entire preparations made from plants. And for thousands of years, we've had few problems with drugs, seldom anything that we could call addiction. We didn't have those issues until the so-called Western world invented the pharmaceutical industry and started stripping individual chemicals out of their natural environments, then making them thousands of times more potent than normal. Those other cultures tend to be much more collectivist than the United States. And that means they not only look out for one another in a different way than we do, but they also are more likely to consume entire drugs, not just single chemicals. The U.S. is individualistic. We take those single, distilled drugs and find ourselves struggling with problems which nature never intended. Our individualism and our capitalism or die mindset it's actually killing a lot of us. The fact that betel nut binds to nicotine receptor sites provides a clue for how we might treat addiction to the drug. Since it appears to act almost entirely on those sites, it looks like many of the drugs that we currently use to treat nicotine dependency might be beneficial to those who are trying to stop chewing betel nut. There's a pretty heavy withdrawal associated with quitting, although it's mild compared to, say, heroin or alcohol. But the big danger is cancer, and some of the most shocking videos about betel nut are focused on cancer that's caused by chewing it with that slaked lime. And worse, since those users are poor, they often lack effective access to affordable medical treatment, which means simple issues and small tumors become massive problems in softball-sized masses. And from our position, buried in a century-long war on drugs, and surrounded by U.S. war on drugs propaganda, those health issues can appear to be the result of the chemicals, not the rotten healthcare system. The fruit is still legal in the United States. You can order areca nuts, or even the areca palm plant live online. In fact, being the researcher that I am, I ordered some betel nut a few months before I recorded this. And when it showed up a few weeks later, it was pretty gross, so I wound up throwing it out. This was the middle of the pandemic shipping backup of 2021, and I'm assuming it got stuck on a freighter somewhere off the coast because it was slimy and it smelled rotten. So instead of risking my health for a buzz that I've heard described way too often as meh, I spent the afternoon digging up videos of people online trying betel nut, many of them puking as they chew up the bitter fruit. And to be honest, I don't think that I missed very much. I did a lot of drugs back in the day. Shit, I still do a lot of drugs. And the fact that I always hear betel nut described as like DMT, only way less intense, or like cocaine, only way less potent, that makes me think I've already experienced much of whatever it has to offer. I smoked cigarettes for more than a decade, unfiltered cigarettes while I was in prison, and my nicotine receptors have seen their fair share of activation. I'm actually not a very big fan of the drug. Okay. So betel nut is a fruit that grows on palm trees, it's the fourth most popular drug on earth, and it's often used in ways that can prove dangerous simply because pharma hasn't created an application that avoids many of the problems of raw use. It's also a drug you'd probably never heard of before today, except, of course, in racist shoutouts buried in our cultural history, like that Rodgers and Hammerstein introduction clip which used betel nut chewing to mark Bloody Mary as an outsider and as a backwards Pacific Islander. Other stories were even more explicit in playing on old stereotypes 
that betel nut was a drug that turned brown-skinned people into headhunters and cannibals. Think way back to your experience with good old Dr. Seuss. Remember Horton, Here's a Who? There's a storyline about a speck of dust with an entire town living on it that's about to be destroyed if Horton can't figure out a way to make the rest of the world hear the voices on that speck of dust. Remember it? That story's bad guy doesn't plan to destroy the speck of dust herself, and she doesn't plan to do it any old way. She decides to conjure up some magic forest people to do her work for her, and she conjures up a group of faceless, dark gray people who live in the jungle, and who use something called bezel nut in part of their culture. Pretty clever, right? You're going to be caged. He's going to be roped. He's going to be caged. Horton the elephant's going to be caged. He's going to be roped. He's going to be And caged. as for your dust speck, that we will boil in a hot steaming kettle of diesel nut oil. Boil my dust speck? No! That you can't do. It's all full of persons. I'll prove it to you. Boil that dust speck. Boil that dust speck. Boil that dust speck. Boil, 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 boil. Diesel nut. Diesel nut. That's not the end of the colonizing narrative. Horton succeeds, and once the forest people realize the truth, in this case, that the speck of dust they were going to boil in bezel nut juice is packed with small people, they renounce their wicked bezel nut ways and they stop using the drug. Yeah, pretty thinly veiled. They don't just agree to not boil the speck of dust. They give up a cultural tradition which has defined them because they become convinced of the stereotypes that Westerners have been peddling for centuries, that specific drugs turn people into dangerous others who can't be trusted. All this makes me wonder, as we continue this experiment of rethinking taking-for-granted laws that restrict drugs and that punish drug users, along with our simultaneous cultural project of weeding out our past prejudicial attitudes and the stereotypes that inform them, Will the U.S. and other Western countries see an influx of betel nut use sometime in the near future? We might have a brand new drug for fearmongers to rail on sometime soon, one that the world's been using for thousands of years. And if we don't keep a close eye out, they'll tell the same stories they always do about how dangerous it is, about how people shouldn't use it, and about how using it makes people insane. Drugs like betel nut remind me that I could study this stuff for the rest of my life and still not know everything. Love yourselves and the addicted people in your life. I'm Ben Boyce.